All right, if you want to open your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to pick up here in verse 20. Matthew 11 verse 20. And the Bible says, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Shorazan, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that I should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. This morning I want to look at just these small few verses, this small passage of scripture here, which is dealing specifically um, with the topic of repentance. Um, and that's our theme for this month, the priority of repentance. Uh, it's not like me to stick to the theme, but God wanted it to be done this morning, so here we are. You know, this is a passage of scripture that I've looked at many times, and it's one that's always stood out to me, specifically in relation to the area of repentance. Um, you know, repenting, repented, repentance, it, it appears a lot in the Bible, it starts in the Old Testament and continues on right to the New Testament. But here I find that this passage of Scripture really tells us a lot about repentance from Jesus' own words and Jesus' own perspective. And this is where I want us to focus our attention on this morning. Um, you know, repentance is, um, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those areas that I think in, in recent times seems to have become some bit of a touchy subject amongst Christian communities, amongst different Christian groups. People have different ideas um, as to what repentance is or what we need to do with respect to repentance. And this morning I just want to kind of look at, well, what is Jesus saying here quite clearly um, in this passage of Scripture? You know, let the Bible teach us this morning what repentance is and to show us just how important it is in, um, in this world and in the life of the believer. So here we pick up, and Jesus is preaching in the areas and towns around Galilee. In the early part of Jesus' ministry, um, you know, in the early part of his uh, three and a half year ministry, when he was going around, he spent a lot of time around the area of the Sea of Galilee. He went around these towns. And some of the towns around this area would have been Shurazan, Bethsaida, and um, Capernaum. This is where Jesus spent many uh, days, many hours, um, not only preaching the word, but also displaying his godly power and his, his awesome might through miracles. Okay, they were These were the towns that had first heard of Jesus and first seen of Jesus' power before his fame started to spread further afield. And here he's specifically dealing and talking with these same towns, with these same groups of people. Now, they're Israelites. This is in Israel. This is in the nation of Israel. It's within Herod's kingdom at the time. So these are mostly 
Jewish people, okay, that he's dealing with. These are Israelites. And he's dealing with them specifically with these verses here with this topic of repentance. And we see in verse, um, in verse 20, I said, and then he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. So we see that he upbraided them or in other words, he reproved them. He charged or blamed them. Okay. He was, he was laying accusations on these people, on these towns. And the reason he was charging them and laying accusation on them was because they had seen his mighty works. They had heard his word and yet they still repented not. Jesus specifically was rebuking them for their lack of repentance. They had seen his works and they had heard his word and yet they had chosen not to repent. They had chosen not to turn back to God. They witnessed his mighty works and his miracles but did not respond to them. Okay, And this is why Jesus is rebuking them. This is why Jesus is charging them because they have not turned to him. They have not turned to God despite seeing and witnessing his miracles firsthand and also hearing the words that came from Jesus' own mouth. So the people here were like what we see a lot today. In fact, they're exactly like maybe some of us were at some point before we were saved. You know, if you look at yourself in the mirror and really examine yourselves, could you, was there a point in your life that you could put yourself into the same um, shoes as these people that you too, despite hearing um, the many, um, despite many, despite hearing the gospel of Jesus, despite hearing um, scripture, um, despite and people talking to you about Jesus, despite you even seeing even God's glory being done today with the amazing works that he does today still in our time. You know, were you, were you like these people here and you too were choosing to not accept the message that, that, that was being brought to you? Were, were you too choosing to ignore um, the miracles that God was showing um, even in our lives today? And you see these people here in these towns specifically, they did not repent and turn to God. Instead, they rejected him. They rejected Jesus. And so in verse 21, we see that woes were cast. Woes were cast. Jesus specifically said, Woe unto thee, Shurazan, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. Now, woe is a word that we see quite often in the Gospels. Jesus uses it a lot specifically in the book of Matthew because in the book of Matthew, um, we see... Jesus is de- dealing specifically with the Jews quite often. Okay, so he's he's you know the Matthew here the the, the writer is penning um, Jesus' words and recording some of Jesus' ministry at this time, and with a specific focus on dealing with the Jews, dealing you know recording how Jesus dealt with the Jews. It's very much a, a focus towards the Jews in, in relation to the Gospels and how we break them down, and here. Throughout Matthew, we see Jesus laying woes on um, the Jews and laying woes on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and many different groups of Israel at that time. Now, a woe is a curse. A woe is a curse. A woe is a very strong word for Jesus to use. Okay? Um, you know, he wasn't, you know, Jesus wasn't giving out to these people like a teacher would give out to students in a school. You know, he wasn't giving them a slap on the wrist. When Jesus was proclaiming a woe unto them, that was a serious thing. This was a, this was Jesus cursing them. This was Jesus, you know, damning them for their, um, for their sheer, um, ignorance of them and their sheer, 
um, stubbornness to turn towards towards Jesus and God. So a woe was a serious word for Christ to use. And he specifically lays these woes, lays these curses on these three cities here that he spent much time in. And this morning I want us to look at, well, why did he lay the woes on these cities? You know, in these verses here we see some contrasts between these cities and some other cities um, that Jesus named out as well. And he describes um, uh, how these cities around Galilee, um, that they, despite seeing Jesus' miracles up close and hearing his words up close, they chose to, re- they chose to reject him and not to repent. And he's comparing them to these other towns and cities um, which actually did not witness Jesus personally. This is what he's this is what he's laying charge at them for. So he he specifically calls out Chorazin and Bethsaida as the first two named cities and people groups to be cursed, and Capernaum was the third named city people group to be cursed. All these cities were close closely located to each other around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus spent his early ministry. So you have to get that picture that this is where Jesus spent a lot of his time in the early part of his ministry. Okay, this is this is where his soul winning circuit was, so to speak. Okay, this is where he was going door to door. This is where he was street preaching. It was in these cities. It was in these cities that he was doing mighty works, that he was doing miracles, he was he was helping the walk, helping the lame to walk, he was helping the blind to see, he was curing sick people, he was bringing people back from the dead. This is where people were witnessing the might of Jesus. This is where they were seeing the Son of God perform his godly power right in front of their own eyes. These were Jewish cities whose populations consisted mostly of Israelites, God's chosen people. And Chorazan and Bethsaida were contrasted with the cities of Tyre and Sidon. Now, again, you know, most of your Bibles, you know, if you've any study Bibles, you'll see maps at the back so you can look at where all these towns and cities were located at this time um, in, in, in Israel and in, in the Far East. But Tyre and Sidon were located outside of the boundaries of Herod's kingdom of that time. So they were, they were located outside um, of, of Israel at, at that time. And Tyre and Sidon would have mostly had a Gentile population. They 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 they're Gentiles. They were, they weren't Jews. They weren't God's chosen people. And yet Jesus here is comparing Chorazin and Bethsaida to these Gentile nations, saying that if they had seen what you saw and if they had heard what you heard, they would have repented immediately. So he's specifically attacking the Jews here. He specifically comes to the Jews, saying that look, you witnessed me firsthand. You heard my words firsthand. You've seen my power firsthand. In fact, I've come to save you. Okay? Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. So Jesus was specifically dealing with the Jews here saying that, look, you've been privileged. God has chosen you. God has, um, you know, given you an amazing place in God's kingdom. Alright? He's, he's chosen you um, to be his people, out of all the out of all the people groups in the in the earth after the flood of Noah, he chose um, through the seed of Abraham to become his, his people, right? And through generation to generation, there was times when the Jews would be faithful to God, and then they'd fall away from God. They'd be faithful to God and they'd fall away from God, and that was the cycle right up to this point, where very much so at at this point in Israel's time, they too were kind of away from God. Okay, they were looking for. They were looking for a savior. They were looking for the king to come back, but they weren't expecting Jesus to come back in the way that he did. Okay, they certainly weren't expecting 
uh, a king to be born in a dirty manger. Okay, so they weren't they weren't looking for the true savior, and yet here he was walking amongst them, spending time with them, healing them, teaching them, you know, doing doing many amazing feats that only God could do. You know, when when in, in John chapter in John chapter three, when we see that Nicodemus, a, a master, a rabbi, um, you know, a, a, an elder in in in, in um, of the Jews coming to Jesus going that and he, he proclaimed himself saying that look we know there was some of them at least that knew that you have to be the son of God because no man can do these things that you did okay you have there has to be something different about you because what you're doing only God can do okay but yet here the Sida and Charazan these people these groups of people who had witnessed Jesus firsthand somehow they were ignorant of this fact Somehow they were choosing not to see or choosing not to acknowledge that this was the very Son of God. And yet Jesus then compares them to Tyre and Sidon, these Gentile nations, saying that if they had received what you got, they would have repented straight away. You know, so for some reason, you know, uh, the people here in Shars and Abyssinia were choosing to not accept Jesus. The same thing, um, with, um, with, with the other, with the other, with the other city, and um, Capernaum, Jesus contrasts, um, Jesus contrasts Capernaum with the ancient city of Sodom. You know, he, he, he's taking an Israelite city here at this time, which in his own words was exalted above the heaven, okay? So obviously Capernaum was, it was in good stature at this time, okay? It, w- it was probably doing better than most of the Jewish areas at this time. And they were obviously full of their own ego, according to Jesus here, that they were exalted above, but he said that you're going to be brought down to hell. You're going to be brought down to hell because in verse, in verse 23 there it says, And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. So here again, Jesus is comparing them to a, a, a city of, of, of the past. Obviously a very famous city. The Jews know about this city. They've, they've all read about Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, don't we? Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked. Sodom chose not to repent. Sodom chose not to go to God. Even, even with Abraham pleading with God saying, look, if there's, if there's 50 just people there, will you spare them? And God said, yes, if there's 50 there, I'll spare them. Abraham had to check his numbers again and said, if there's 40, will you spare them, God? God said, yes, I'll spare them. Abraham to check his numbers again. If there's 20 just people there, will you save them? Yes, I'll save them if there's 20 just people. And so on and so forth until Abraham eventually gets down to one. If there's one person there, will you save them? And God said, yeah, I'll save them if there's one. There wasn't one. There wasn't one just person in the whole of Sodom. Bar Lot, who God was going was, was gonna to take out. And here Jesus is comparing them to Sodom. Sodom, that wicked nation who God judged, who God destroyed because of their sinful ways, because of their wickedness and their unwillingness to return and to go, and, and, and to go towards God, to accept God, to, 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 to worship God and to um, yield themselves to God. They were destroyed. They were, they were, they were, they were wiped out for their, for their wickedness. And yet Jesus here is comparing this Israelite city, Capernaum, to Sodom. He's saying, he specifically declares to them that if I was there in Sodom doing the things that I've done in front of you and that they heard my words directly out of my mouth like you've heard, it would still be here today. 
What an amazing statement for Jesus to declare to these people here. They all knew about Sodom. They knew how wicked it was and what happened to them. But he said specifically to them, and he charged them saying that if they had me going around in person like you have had here, it would be still here today. They would have repented. You know, and these were Gentile people. Just like Tyre and Sodom, they were Gentile people. You see, Jesus was trying to show the Jews at this time that look, you had a place of privilege, but yet, if the Gentile nations had heard me directly and had me coming to them directly, they would have got right with me straight away. You know, imagine Jesus coming to you. Imagine if you were God's chosen people and Jesus coming to you and laying that claim at your door. You know, imagine Jesus saying that, look, you had a special privilege with me, but yet you've chosen to ignore me. You know, these other people didn't have me. Okay, they didn't have me walking around. Now, they might have had someone telling them about me, but they didn't have what you had. They didn't have me physically coming in front of them. This was a, this was a bold statement for Jesus to make. Just like, um, just like, uh, Shurz and Abbasida, Capernaum here also witnesses Jesus and his miracles personally, but yet they still rejected him and they did not repent. Jesus contrasts both of these cities with cities of, of the past and cities even of that present time that were Gentile nations that weren't God's chosen people, that God, that Jesus specifically didn't come to, but yet he was saying that those people, if I came to them, they would have accepted me straight away and heard my words and <coughs> repented and towards, towards God. So woes were cast. But what can we learn and take away from this passage of scripture today? How can we, you know, how can we apply it to today and see what God is trying to teach us from this passage of scripture? Because Anytime you see something in the Bible, a verse, a chapter, a book, you're going to have to ask yourselves, why is it there? Why did God chose to put that in there? You know, it was all, it was, there was lots of things that Jesus had taught the apostles. There was lots of, um, things that God had taught Moses, that God had taught Noah. There was plenty of communication between them. But yet, what we have here is what God wants us to have. So we need to look at it and go, why is it here? We need to understand it. We need to study it. So the purpose of Jesus' miracles at this time was to draw Israel's attention towards him, to bring him back towards God, so that they could repent, so that they could turn from the path that they were on and back towards God. Okay, that's why he was that that's one of the reasons why Jesus was performing these mighty mighty works and, and miracles. It was also a promise signed to the nation of Israel. It was promised to the Jews. He had prophesied that when I come, I will do mighty things so that you will know me. Okay, so it was promised to Israel, it was promised to the Jews. That's why he was doing them in these cities here and not in Tyre and Sidon. Okay, he was doing them here, it was promised to the Jews and that's what he was doing. He was honoring his word. So it was a promise signed to the nation of Israel to prove that Jesus was the Son of God, but most importantly it was to get their attention back towards God so that Israel would repent. That's why Jesus had come, that's why Jesus was coming to them so that they would so that Israel will come back to him. He came to them, but as we know from the Gospels, his own received him not. Miracles did not, cannot, and will not save anyone. You know, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what we can take away from this. You know, when we, we look at these mighty works, um, they were done in front of these cities. People, had, people all over these cities have witnessed these mighty works, first hand from Jesus. Um, but yet they're still 
Um, you know, even though even though those miracles were he, Jesus was healing healing um, the sick and making the blind to see and um, you know making the lame to walk, all of as great as all that was, none of those miracles was ever going to save anyone's souls. They still had to turn to God. They still had to accept God into their lives. They still had to get right with God. They had to repent. Okay, the miracles were not going to save them. And even today. God still does amazing things. You know, we see, you know, every time, every time a child is born, it's a miracle. Just the, the, if you study conception and the reproductive system and all the small little things that have to work together at the exact same moment of time in order for that life to start, you would look at that as a miracle. Okay? And if you viewed it as a miracle, you certainly wouldn't be too quick to go kill it. Alright? So it is a miracle. God, life itself is a miracle. You know, you know, we deal with evolutionists all the time. You know, they try to convince themselves and convince, convince everyone else that something can come from nothing. You know, well, um, you know, it can't. But God, you know, God, the amazing creator, He can work all things that He's created together and still create life. Nothing else can create life here. We can't create life. We can try to replicate it. You know, we can, you know, we can clone things now, but we're still just taking what God had created and trying to copy it. You know, we can't just do it ourselves. Okay, God is so much more powerful than that. So life is a miracle. God is still doing miracles today, but miracles and mighty works won't save anyone. Okay, they will not save anyone. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that people are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, saved by grace through faith. And, you know, when you study this out, you see, well, how are people saved? What is salvation? What are the components of salvation? What is necessary for someone to be saved? Well, you see, I see three things. Grace, faith, repentance. Okay, those three things. Grace, faith, and repentance. We see um, we see in the New Testament, time and time again, Paul preaching about repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. So what was Paul preaching about repentance and faith? Well, if we look at grace, faith, and repentance for what they are and see how they tie together. Well, grace is God's willingness to allow us to be forgiven. Okay, that's God's grace. God's grace is Him being merciful towards us. Him, you know, choosing to not pour the judgment on us and instead choosing to put on Jesus. Okay, that is God's grace. The fact that we can get saved is God's grace. Okay, that's what God's grace is. Faith is, you know, the vehicle through which we accept God's grace. Alright? If we don't believe in God, if we don't put our faith in God and what He did for us, then we can never accept God's grace. Now God's grace is still there, but we haven't taken hold of it. We haven't availed of it. Okay? It's like um, it's like going on, you know, getting on a train you're selecting the destination where you want to go, you're looking at Google Maps, you're doing some research, you're searching, you're planning where you want to go, you're putting your plans in place, you make your decision, you want to go to that destination. In our case, we want to go to heaven. So you go, how do I get there? Well, you need to get on a train. Okay. How, what do I need to get on that train? Well, I need to pay for a ticket. Well, the ticket's already paid for you, but you need to go into the ticket office to collect the ticket. Well, that is God's grace. We need to go into the ticket office to collect the ticket that's been paid for us already. Alright, if we don't go into the ticket office to collect the ticket, the ticket's gonna stay there, still waiting to be collected. Okay? God's grace was, He paid the ticket on our behalf. 
but we still need to go and collect it, okay? That is where our faith comes in. We believe that God did pay for that ticket. We believe that his ticket is enough to get us onto the train and get us to our destination, right? That is our faith. We're putting our faith in God. We're putting faith in God's grace. We're, we're accepting God's grace. But how do we get to the place where we get, where we inside ourselves can start putting our faith into God? Repentance. You see, we, like most people, you know, and again, I won't point any fingers here except for myself, but I was going down a certain path. I was going down what the Bible called the broad way. Okay, wide is the gate and broad is the way. That's where I was going. And if anyone here is born again and saved, that's where you were going to. Okay, that destination was hell. That's where you were going. And some, some, somewhere, somewhere along the line, God started working on you. God started dealing with you, either through people coming into your life or hearing scriptures on the radio or through the TV or through the internet or whoever. God was drawing you to Him. He was trying to get your attention. And God, God wanted to get you off the Broadway. Because God wanted you to go on the narrow way. Okay? He wanted you to go on a different path. He wanted you to go to a different destination. That's where He wanted me to go on that different destination. But I was still going down the Broadway. I was still going down the wide way, the wrong way. Okay? At some point or another, I had to make a decision to get off the Broadway and to go on to the narrow way. Now, God had told me that I needed to go onto the Broadway. He told me that that's not the destination you want to go to. I had all the information. I had all the, the planning, everything else I needed to go, just like planning to go on a train, a train ride. I had all the details, but I still had to make a decision to actually switch from one path to the other path. That is repentance. That is making the decision in your mind to, to acknowledge the fact that you are wrong and God's right. That is the decision you're making inside yourselves to, to, to accept that what Jesus is saying is right and that what you may have believed all along in your life is wrong. That you are on the wrong path. It's simply changing your mind. It's turning towards God. It's having, it's, 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 it's seeing your life, seeing your sinful ways as God sees them. That's what repentance is. And then allowing that to change you from the inside out to make the decision so that you can get yourself facing towards God so that you can go get and avail of God's grace by placing your faith in Him. So you can see that you've got grace, um, faith and repentance. The three of them are working together. If grace wasn't there, there'd be no way for us to be saved. Okay? We wouldn't have the ability to get saved. If we didn't have faith in God's grace, then we'd never collect it. We'd never avail of it. And if we don't repent, then we're not going to get to the stage where we want to put our faith, faith in Jesus Christ. We're not going to get to the stage where we can make our decision to actually trust in Him. You know, people, people are saved by grace through faith. People avail of that grace when they place their faith in Jesus and God. But how will people ever get to a place where they can place their faith in God if they have not first repented and turned towards Him? You know, if, if God is extending His hand with that special, highly paid ticket that's getting us away from the destination that we deserve to go to and instead go to spend eternity with him. If he's got his hand stretched out waiting for us to take it, but yet we're facing in a different direction with our backs to it, how are we ever going to take it? How are we ever going to take that from him? You see, we have to turn to him and that's why he was railing 
on the Jews here at this time because that's what he come come to them for. That's what he wanted them to do, to turn from their wicked ways so that they, so that they too could um, turn to God, put their trust in him and be saved. But yet they didn't. They didn't. You know, when we, you know, repentance has to happen in the life of someone in order for them to turn to God and to be saved. If it doesn't happen, if, if you've never made that decision in your mind that, look, you're doing wrong and you need to get right with God, then what are you getting saved from? You know, what, what are you running from? Why would hell bother you if you thought that it was there was no reason for you to get right with God? If you thought you were okay, if you thought that you were living a good life and you were a good person, isn't that what we all thought? We were good people, um, but we know the Bible says otherwise, that there is none good, no, not one. We have to acknowledge that we are not good. We have to acknowledge that we need God. We need to be saved from hell. If we don't believe in hell and we don't believe that we need to be saved, then hey, there's no need to repent. Go about your lives, do what you want, live, you know, be, you know, be happy and merry. You know, it doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow if you don't believe that you're doing something wrong against God. But when it clicks, when it clicks and your conscience starts working and God is knocking on your door, He's knocking, trying to get in and saying, look, I'm here, you need to leave me in. You know, you're going down the wrong path. I want you to go onto the onto the onto, onto the right path. When that starts happening in your life, and you start hearing and 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 feeling God pulling you, you know, the Bible says that God is drawing you to Him. At that stage, that's when you need to make the decision to repent and turn towards God, so that you can then go towards God, put your faith in Him, and accept His grace, so you can be saved. You see, it's those three things work together, and to to not have one. It wouldn't work, all right. If we've God's grace and we're repenting, you know, we're turning towards God, but we're not putting our faith in Him, we're not fully surrendering and trusting in Him. Then what good is a repentance? Likewise, if we're believing that God exists and we're believing that God that, that Jesus died on the cross for us, but yet we're not willing to turn to Him and to actually, you know, put some things away from our life and go go do what Jesus wants us to do and live for Him then what good is our faith? It's an empty faith. It's a dead faith. James describes, you know, faith without works is dead. You know, we can we can say we believe all we want, but what is our actions saying? When people look at us, do they see our faith? Or do they just hear our words? You see, we need to have some substance to our faith, and repentance is that substance. We, You know, it's not that we, you know, it's not that we drop everything in our lives and overnight we become these perfect saints. That's not it at all. That's not what the Bible says. But it's a decision we make in our minds that we accept the fact that we are sinners, that we need God, and that although we're not perfect and we're going to fail a lot of times, we still need to be striving to push forward. We still need to be going towards Him, get closer to Him, because Jesus, God, wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son. He wants us to be more like Him, so less of us, more like Him. But it starts with that decision process in our mind. We need to get to the point where we decide and accept that I'm wrong, God is right. That I was going down the wrong way and I need to go down this way. I need to turn towards God and go where He wants me to go as opposed to continuing on the path that I, that I want to go on or that I think um, was, was, the, was the path that I should be on. You see, repentance and faith and grace work together. If the three of them weren't there, it's not going to work. You know, we need, we need to have all three. You know, they work together. And this, you know, this is... The, the, the crux of his message here, Jesus talking and, 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 and reading these accusations in his people, is that they clearly didn't have too much faith in him. They were probably, you know, 
admiring his miracles, but I don't think they really put trust in him as the Son of God. You know, they clearly weren't reaching out for God's grace. They weren't even looking for it, and they didn't repent. You see, if they were looking for God's grace, they would have repented. Right? And if they'd put faith in Jesus and repented, they'd have got God's grace. They didn't, and they didn't get it. You see, we need to make sure that unlike here, where these people, that we're not finding ourselves uh, like um, Capernaum and, and Shars and Pesita, that, you know, the people of today, that, you know, we're, we're seeing God's wondrous works in our lives, that we're, we're hearing God's wonderful word, we've got the scripture in our hands, um, but what, what are we doing with it? You know, are we accepting God's ways or are we, are we, are we, and, and rejecting our ways? Or are we rejecting God's ways and continue with our own ways? Okay, when we, when we accept God's ways and reject our ways, that's repentance. We've made a decision to do what God wants us to do and not what we want to do. When we reject God's ways and continue with our own ways, that's the opposite of repentance. Alright? That means we haven't repented. And that's, that's something that happens before we can get saved and it's also something that happens every day. Okay, we have to constantly decide within ourselves to follow Jesus Christ, to do what God wants us to do, to get right with Him. When we fall down, the Bible says a just man falls seven times, but gets back up again. With that getting back up again, that's repenting. That's saying, God, I did wrong. I sinned against you and you alone, just like David said. But I, I, I'm going to push forward. You know, that's that's repentance. And people are looking for miracles today. But they're rejecting the message. You know, everyone is around looking for healing and, you know, people are looking for these faith healers and look at that amazing thing there and look at that mighty thing there. Just like the people back then and all they cared about was the mighty works and the visual things that were, that were, that, were, that was being done. It's quite the same thing. People are still looking for that visual entertainment. They're still looking for those, you know, let God show that He's real. You know, well, God said that He's real. It's right here. You just need to accept it. People are looking for miracles, but they're rejecting the message. You know, people are hoping for miracles, but yet they're not willing to put their faith in the miracle giver. You know, people are looking for things to be fixed in their lives. People are looking for, you know, these bad things to be taken out of their lives or the bad situations they're in. Whatever, whatever they find themselves in, they're hoping, they're looking to be taken out of that. They're looking for a miracle, but yet they're not willing to put their faith in God. They're not willing to trust in God to get them out of that situation. They just want to get out. They're looking for the, they're looking for the miracle before looking for the actual miracle giver. You know, they didn't need to go into God. If they went to God and got serious with God and repented and towards, turned towards God and put their faith in God, then who knows, if it's His will, they might just get out of that situation. But they're still looking for miracles and they're not willing to place their faith in God. So miracles, you know, they didn't save anyone back then and they won't save anyone now. You know, they need faith, repentance and grace. They need those three things. What else do we learn from this passage of Scripture? Well, we see... We see quite clearly to whom more is given, more is required. To whom more is given, more is required. He specifically railed and 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 placed woes on the Jewish people here, on the on, on these Israelite towns, specifically because they had got something that Sodom did not get, and that Tyre and Sidon did not get, and all other Gentile nations didn't get, and that was the very presence of Jesus within their midst walking around, doing these mighty deeds, proclaiming proclaiming his word. And yet, despite that, they still chose to reject him. They still chose to not accept Jesus. And Jesus pretty clearly tells them that you will be judged for that. 
Okay, you would be judged for that. You were given something more than Sodom. And verse 24 says, it'll be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Because you got me and they didn't. So to whom more is given, more is required. You know, judgment starts in the house of God because we know God and we have the truth. For, you know, First Peter 4.17 You know, people who reject the truth, Jesus and his gospel, will be held more accountable than those who did not have a chance to... to Jesus in the first place. You know, if you if you if you've been coming if you've been coming here every single Sunday, you know, for weeks or months or years, who knows? You know, I'm sure everyone is glad to see you. We always good to see people. But if you've been coming here all the time and you just continue to sit in the chair and you're hearing God's word and you're hearing the preaching and you're hearing different people talking to you and you're seeing amazing things being done in your life, but yet you've still not got to the place where you've actually made that decision in your life to repent, to turn from your um, you know, from, from, from your way of thinking, from, from your sinful life over towards God's way of thinking, to accept Him, to put your faith in Him, then you're just like these Jewish towns. You know, you've got the truth of His Word. We have the completed revelation. You know, we have something that the apostles didn't have. Alright, we have this. This contains the beginning and the end. We know how it's going to end. Um, and yet, how many of us um, how many people today have these sitting on shelves or sitting on bookstores and gathering dust? You know, how, how often are they opened? How often are they read? How often are they studied? Um, you know, if we have this, if God has been good enough to give us this and the full truth in our hands, and yet we still choose to reject Jesus, then how do you think it's going to fare for that people? You know, how do you think it's going to fare in the judgment day? Because we're all going to be judged. You know, we're all going to be judged according to our works. The only difference is, is that you place your trust in Jesus or not. You know, if you put if you plus your if you put your trust in Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you repented and availed of God's grace, well, you'll still be judged for the things you've done in your body here after you were saved. You know, if if you were doing bad things, then God's going to judge you for that. But your sins have been forgiven. God has paid for them. But if you've not accepted Jesus, well, then you're going to have this, your sins judged as well, right? And just like Jesus said here, that'll be better. You know, it'd be worse for you, Capernaum, than it was for Sodom, because you had me personally and you rejected me. It's the same with people today. You know, people will end up in hell not because of their sinful deeds. They'll end up in hell because they rejected Jesus Christ. They rejected his message. They rejected the people giving the message. Alright? They rejected the preaching. You know, how will people hear if they don't have a preacher? Well, what about when they have heard? And they reject. You know, that's the seriousness that Jesus is getting to. That you've gotten something, and you need to make a you need to make a decision. You need to make a decision. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to acknowledge that you need me? Are you going to acknowledge that you are lost without me? That you are going down the broad path. I want you to go on the narrow path, but you need to make that decision to get on that narrow path. You know, if you're um, you know, if you're in that, if you find yourself in that position, if you find yourself that you have not made that decision, then you know, today is the day. Today is the day to make that decision. You know, ultimately, it won't be this, it won't be your sins that will bring judgment upon you. You know, it will be that choice. Have you accepted Jesus? Have you repented and put your faith um, in God's grace? Or are you trusting in yourself?